This is The Rant presented by Strive Sports. Benjamin Klein here with you on this Friday afternoon. It is Friday. It is the weekend. Get hyped. Positive vibes only. That's what I'm trying to bring to all of you at home. Uh, we had the NFL draft yesterday. Obviously going to be covering that. The Jets uh, first round picks. John, what happened with the Giants last night. Going to talk about some other moves that I thought were interesting that happened in the first round. Also had the Nets playing last night and the Yankees, so going to be covering both of those uh, outcomes. And uh, just wanted to remind you before I get into it that you can catch this podcast along with all the other Strive Sports podcasts on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and you can access those via the link tree in my Instagram bio at the Strive Sports. I additionally do my daily lay of the day or parlay of the day, uh, which I uh, post on TikTok. You can access t- my TikTok. Uh, if you scroll down the link tree in my Instagram bio, you should see one of the widgets uh, that is TikTok. And the TikTok, if you want to just search us up, is at these drive sports. Uh, I'll give you three of my daily NBA locks, gambling-wise, uh, and hope to make you guys some money. Unfortunately, didn't do one last night. Um, also, hopefully going to be going live more often. Went live a little bit for the draft last night and during the Yankee game. So hopefully going to be doing a little bit more of that. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately haven't been doing so well in my riding the BK train show with my overs club, overs fan only, uh, no house advantage props for cash daily leagues lines. But trying to get better every day at everything that I do, every podcast that I do, uh, you know, my mock draft. Didn't turn out so well, uh, other than one thing, which was uh, the Jets moving up to 14 with the Vikings to draft Elijah Vera Tucker. Literally had that in my mock draft. Jets moved from 23 to 14 with the Vikings taking Elijah Vera Tucker. Had that in my mock, so uh, I'm still very proud that I got that right. But getting back to business, uh, gonna start by talking. Gonna start this rant today talking about the Brooklyn Nets. And their win last night against the Indiana Pacers. Yes, I am a big T guy. Uh, if you are listening on one of the podcast uh, platforms, I just took a uh, sip of tea. Uh, needed these days with doing all these pods. It's really a lot just to be talking straight like this. And then it's not like I stop talking when, I, when I'm not doing this. So tea and honey definitely is a huge help. And getting me through uh, all these pods and, and just the day overall. But back to business. Uh, the Nets beat down the Pacers last night, 130 to 113. 17 point win well, without Kyrie, obviously, no James Harden last night. Uh, DeAndre Jordan also was unable to play. Uh, I don't believe that Nick Claxton got, uh, came back last night. But. The main story here is KD, 42 points. The whole starting five uh, gets into double digits. Um, The only other 20-point score was uh, Johnson. I I do not know how to pronounce his first name. I think it's like Rize or something, uh, Lise. Um, uh, Tell me, please comment if if that is incorrect. I'm unsure. But uh, Lise Johnson with 20 points. He's the only other 20-point scorer. Uh, I, I, as much as I love Joe Harris, he only had 14 points last night and on three rebounds, I guess he didn't need to do that much, uh, because KD absolutely took over scoring 42 points in, uh, 36 minutes. 
8 of 8 from the free throw line, 16 of 24 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3. That's efficiency right there. He also had 10 assists. So uh, KD doing his thing, scoring points, facilitating for the offense. Uh, looks like uh, he is back to full strength, honestly, at this point. Uh, you know, maybe he just needed – maybe that's why they sat Kyrie because uh, when Kyrie's on the court, he's playing a little more relaxed. Uh, and then when he's not on the court, KD knows that he needs to take uh, – you know, control of the team and uh, be the scorer and the facilitator. So maybe they're just trying to get him back in the right mentality with Kyrie missing that game because uh, every game Kyrie misses, I really don't believe that it's a true injury concern, especially because he's probably going to be back like next game. Oh, the sitting with the one game is going to make the difference. Um, but I think it was, this was more just to get KD back in that mentality, uh, back feeling it as the team leader out there. Um, Karis LeVert also need a comment on him and his game last night, uh, playing against his former team. Obviously he was involved in that James Harden deal that sent him to the Brooklyn Nets, but, uh, Karis LeVert last night, 36 points, 14 to 24, five of nine. I mean, this is a guy that, uh, was going to be a key part of the Nets, uh, growing this year as a team and wound up being a turned into a piece to get James Harden uh, and you, everyone knows what happened with him and uh, uncovering cancer with that, with that trade going down. Amazing that he's able to return so soon and be so effective against uh, his former team. Uh, I really like Karis LeVert as a player. This whole story made me like him even, I mean, I liked him when he was on the, when he was on the nets uh, having dropped, what was it? 40 or 50 points on the Celtics last season. But this story made me like him even more so, uh, especially with the Rockets then moving him to to Indiana for no real reason, uh, especially with Miami uh, acquiring Oladipo. I mean, the, the Rockets got Oladipo from the Pacers, and then they moved on from Oladipo. So I don't know why they didn't just keep Levert, but great move by the Pacers to get a good young player like that. Um, as for... Uh, their defense, I mean, it seems they seem to have played pretty solid defense. I mean, 113, that's a lot of points. Uh, but when you're scoring 130, you can't really expect them, expect to hold the other team to below, to like low 100s um, or, you know, 100 to 110 range. Uh, but they did force them to shoot 28% from three. That's, you know, that's good. Uh, unfortunately, Brooklyn also only shot 34% from three. That's definitely. Uh, lower than usual for them. Uh, I mean, they had Tyler Johnson, Landry Shamit in the starting lineup. That's unlike them as well. So uh, they pretty much did it with uh, with backups in the starting lineup. When you think you have Tyler Johnson and Landry Shamit, that's a big part of their lineup. When we're talking point guard, shooting guard combo, usually we're having Kyrie and James Harden out there. Now we're having Landry Shamit and Tyler Johnson. So uh, still able to take advantage. I still love the Nets's other guys, their role players, when we're talking about Shamit, Johnson, Harris, Jeff Green, Blake Griffin, uh, Lualu Cabarro, uh, and then there, there's even more names, Claxton, Chioza. I mean, I really like the Nets team overall. It's just about, because when it comes down to it in the end, in the Eastern Conference, it's going to be about those three guys, Harden, KD, and Kyrie. Uh, usually, you know, uh, when we're talking about the Nets against the Lakers, you're saying, oh, the, the Stars are going to cancel out. It's about the other guys. Yes. But it's different for the Nets uh, instance right now because we don't know if these guys are going to be able to play together, play well together on, while on the court. Uh, 
you know, it, that could be a concern. I think that that is the main concern for for many Nets fans right now, uh, is if the chemistry isn't there when the playoffs uh, come around. Because you see that some of the best teams in the league right now, the chemistry is clicking. I mean, the Knicks, the Knicks, uh, you know, they don't have necessarily the best names, the best talent out there, but their chemistry right now is off of the charts. That's why they're playing so damned well. Uh, and, you know, that could be an issue that will haunt the Nets come playoff time. Uh, you look at other teams, I mean, the Utah Jazz are definitely getting in, were impacted by Donovan Mitchell missing time. Uh, and look at the Suns right now and how they're clicking. The Bucks are clicking right now. Uh, you know, the 76ers might be struggling a little bit, but they were missing guys like Joel Embiid did miss time. He's, he's still getting back into things. And you see how they struggle when that happens. So, uh, again, you know, probably the best big three in the league, the best three combined uh, talent-wise on any one team in the league when we're talking KD, Kyrie, and Harden which is very exciting, but you got to see, get at least two of them on the court at the same time uh, for, you know, a week straight, talking KD and Kyrie most probably because Harden is going to miss time until the playoffs. But great win for the Nets last night. Uh, now they're sitting 23 games above 500. They're 18 and 13 on the road. As I've said in the past, they are better at home than on the road. The record clearly shows that, but they're able to get this win against the Pacers last night. Uh, I don't believe I don't believe that um, uh, Sabonis played last night, so that was definitely something that helped the Nets out in this. Uh, Sabonis probably would have killed them, considering the Nets didn't really play a center last night. Uh, KD was their biggest player out on the court, him and Jeff Green. But now they're moving on to play the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, I believe that they're playing that tonight, so back-to-back -back games for the Nets. They're going back home. They had a game in Indiana, and now they're going back home to play the Portland Trailblazers. That'll be a big game. I wonder if uh, they sat Kyrie for that one game so he could uh, play in this big matchup against uh, a better team in the Portland Trailblazers, uh, comparing them to the, to the Indiana Pacers. But that would be a very exciting game that I definitely would tune into tonight, uh, especially because there's no Knicks tonight or tomorrow. Uh, so... Probably going to be tuning into that game. Uh, can't wait for it. Nets playing beast ball. Uh, especially nice to see Kevin Durant drop a 40-point game uh, close to the end of the season after missing a good amount of time. You know, he's going to have to, obviously, he's going to be huge for them down the stretch. And, uh, you know, there's that beginning of the season time where he, where everyone was like, oh, KD's the best player in the league. He's the MVP right now. Missed time. Everyone forgets about it. So he's got to go back and show everyone, like, what was going on in the beginning of the season, why everyone said that he was the best player in the MVP. Uh, but even if that's the, even though that's the case, they still need to get that chemistry going. Ky get Kyrie and KD on the court at the same time. Hopefully it happens tonight. If not, I'll tell you, it's disappointing. If you're a Nets fan, you should be disappointed if Kyrie doesn't play tonight. Uh, unless he's actually injured, which I which I kind of doubt. Um, so we'll see uh, what happens. But great win for the Nets last night. Another great game tonight coming up for the Nets. It'll be either way. It'll be entertaining for sure. No doubt about that. Um, not, just uh, to point out before I move on to another sport, going to stick to basketball here for a little bit. Uh, the Knicks have a one-game lead ahead of the Hawks, I believe, and a two-game lead ahead of the Celtics for that four, for that four seed. Um, that's huge. The, the Celtics are playing the Spurs tonight, and the Sixers are playing the Hawks tonight. Now, the Celtics are definitely a better team than the Spurs. There's no question about it. But 
the Spurs are fighting to get into that, uh, you know, the, those playing games, uh, along with teams like the Grizzlies and the Warriors. And I uh, can't think of off the top of my head, but those are two teams that come to mind, uh, the Mavericks as well. So that's a huge game for the Spurs, even though it's on the road, even though the Celtics are a great team with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Kemba Walker. Uh, I definitely like the matchup. I think that the Spurs can beat them. Uh, so, and the Celtics have been struggling recently. I mean, they're only three games above 500, and the Knicks are seven games above 500. So uh, that goes to show you how, how the two teams are trending right now. But uh, it would be huge if the Spurs and the Sixers could get wins tonight. Spurs would, uh, you know, force the Celtics to be two and a half games below the Knicks for the four seed, and then the Hawks would move back to one and a half games behind the Knicks for the four seed if they lose to the Sixers. I think that the Hawks should definitely lose to the Sixers tonight. Uh, they just got whopped by them the other night. Not sure if Trey Young's going to be back, but if there's no Trey Young, definitely count on a whopping by the Sixers. They just did it the other night. Uh, additionally, you know, and it could go either way for this Boston-San Antonio game, but uh, trust me, I will be rooting heavy for San Antonio. I want the Knicks to get that four seed. I would love to see home court advantage. Catch me at the Garden if they have that. Uh, in the first round. Hopefully we'll be playing the Hawks because uh, I like that matchup for the Knicks more than the Celtics, but enough for basketball, enough for the Knicks. It's such exciting times and that when they don't even play, I still have to rant about them, but uh, very excited to start this road trip on Sunday against the Rockets and then uh, continuing that on Monday against the Grizzlies. Uh, keep the grind going. Can't wait to see this conclusion of the season. We only got like two weeks left, so very excited. Can't wait for the Knicks to clinch that playoff spot and uh, can't wait to come back on Monday with uh, all my commentary on Nets and Knicks from the weekend. But moving this rant on to the next topic of conversation, uh, that would be baseball. Unfortunately, the Mets did not play last night. It was a two-game series against the Red Sox. I believe I mentioned that I would be commenting on the Mets today. I'm not going to uh, because they didn't play. That was my mistake. I thought they were going to play. They are starting a three-game set against the Phillies in Philadelphia tonight. So uh, on Monday, I will be covering uh, the three-game set of the Mets against the Phillies and the Yankees against the Tigers. Uh, so, But for now, I will be covering uh, the season, the series finale of Yankees-Orioles last night at Camden Yards in which the Yankees lost 4-3 to three to the Orioles in extra innings. I believe this, this is the fourth time that the Yankees have, have uh, played an extra inning game this season, and this is the third time they've lost. And all three times were against uh, AL East opponents. They lost to the Blue Jays in extra innings. They lost to the Orioles in extra innings. They beat the Rays in extra innings, and now they again lost to the Orioles in extra innings. That means that they've lost to the Orioles in extra innings twice, one at home, one on the road. Uh, before I even get into the stats and everything, it's just uh, kind of sad that the Yankees can't are, are giving this given this opportunity in extra innings with a runner on second base, and they can't even take advantage of it. Uh, it seems like I mean, based on every single over, uh, extra inning game, it looks like they can't take advantage of it. I mean, the first game at home they lost three to two. Uh, so they didn't take advantage of it, you know. The Ori the blue that means the Blue Jays scored in uh, the tenth, the top of the tenth inning, and then the Yankees couldn't, uh, you know, make anything happen in the bottom of the tenth. Then they lose to the Orioles uh, at home in eleven. That means that the Orioles took advantage in the top of the inning, and the Yankees couldn't take advantage in the bottom. And then 
the one game that they won was uh, was a road game against the the Rays. They took advantage in the top of the tenth, and then they, they scored four runs. And uh, it's you know very hard to come back uh, four runs, even if you're getting that opportunity with a runner on second. So that gets in your head. The Rays were unable to come back, but uh, again, we had the opportunity to hit first uh, with a runner on second in the ten- in the top of the tenth, and nothing nothing came of it. And then the Orioles take advantage in the bottom of the inning. And getting back to what happened in that 10th inning, what actually went down. I mean, we get a runner starting on second, no outs. Again, you know I don't even like the rule of no outs, but it's crazy. Uh, you know, I'm an advocate of it being, it just feels weird, runner on second, no outs. I'm an advocate of it, of it being a runner on second, one out. I, I don't know. I just feel like that's more fair. But it would make it even less uh, of a chance the Yankees score because they can't even get the runner on second in to home play, to home base. It's ridiculous. I mean, no outs, runner on second, Tyler Wade up. Uh, the question is, why are we playing Tyler Wade if all he can do, if we don't even trust him to hit the ball, if all we're going to make him do is bunt? I mean, we literally have him bunting on two strikes. What are we doing? That's terrible. That's like, uh, and then it gets to the bottom of the inning, and not only uh, do the Orioles try to bunt, but they're able to actually get the bunt off. Uh, and advance the run into third. So we can't, so we don't trust our hitter to actually hit, and our hitter can't even bunt. Uh, I don't know who to blame for the fact that we can't bunt. I, I don't see it a lot, happening a lot this year, especially with the Yankees. Uh, I don't know if I blame Boone or Cashman or the analytics for basically not emphasizing bunting and moving the runners around, old school, old school, old fashioned baseball. Uh, but it's frustrating to see that. You know, the one guy that I'd expect to be able to bunt in Tyler Wade, unable to do so for some reason. They also wanted to do that lefty on lefty. Uh, that's, I feel like, very uncommon and it's very difficult to get a bunt off uh, when you're a lefty going up against a lefty pitcher. But, uh, you know, that was the call. Uh, I didn't like it in the moment. I still don't like it now. And uh, I think that that cost us a lot because at the end of the day, he you wound up striking out trying to bunt there. Uh, and then that's one out runner on second. And then, you know, they they made the smart move in uh, getting a guy on first base and, and getting a double play. Uh, unfortunately for the Yankees, with that runner on third, one out, uh, or it was one out or two outs, I'm not even sure which one it was. But point is, we didn't get that runner on first base uh, and we could have drawn a double play, like similar to what the Orioles did. Didn't take advantage of that. Uh, I don't know if it's if it's Boone to blame. I don't know if Boone, Boone is a puppet of the of the management anymore. But all I say is that I want change. Give me some damn change. Something change the lineup. Fire Boone. Uh, get rid of Tim's. I don't know what it is. Just do something. I mean, I see Marcus Tim's in the dugout, angry every single at bat, and. It, I understand that. I totally see where he's coming from. But, dude, if nothing's going to change, then why is he still the the hitting coach? Uh, maybe change your analytics department a little bit to, you know, get rid of guys who have these crazy launch angles and bat speeds. Maybe it's not about that anymore. Uh, you know, maybe it never was. Maybe those were just a few fluke years when, the, when baseball, the league, changed the ball a little bit to make it easier for the hitters. I don't know what it is, but... You look at the Yankees hitters, 272 for LeMayu, 250 for Stanton, 231 for Torres. Still no still no judge, by the way, even though he had a pinch hit opportunity. He's hitting 260. Uh, Odor, 184. And that's like the clutchest guy on our team. Literally the clutchest guy on our team hitting 184. Um, Tyler Wade, 250. We're, we're, we're bunting him. We're literally bunting him. 
Aaron Hicks, 139. Gary Sanchez, 190. Clint Frazier, 150. Even after hitting his first home run the other day, still struggling. Brad Gardner, 182. Mike Ford, 158. I mean, you know, if if you're not calling for change right now, I don't know. I don't know if you're a real fan. I don't know if you're watching or know what's going on right now. But if you're a real fan, you should want change. I don't know what that change is. It could be just Boone being fired. It could be Tim's being fired. Uh, I wouldn't fire the pitching coach. I mean, the pitching coach isn't the problem. But I would either fire Boone, I would fire Marcus Tim's, or maybe, you know, make it clear that Brian Cashman is not going to be the GM uh, after the season if we continue to, to struggle and potentially don't make the playoffs. But right now, that's a really bad loss. Had the opportunity to take the series from them. Wind up splitting the series against the against the Orioles. I mean, that's just uh, not not Yankees baseball right there. And now they sit three games below 500, 11 and 14. Uh, we're back to 500 uh, on the road now, and we're even worse at home. We are four and seven at home. Uh, and we have the Detroit Tigers coming into town now. we got to take advantage of that. I mean, the Tigers, I don't even care what their record is right now, even though it's not good. Uh, we got to take advantage of this series. I mean, they're 8-18 eight and 18 right now. Uh, if, we make the, if we make the Detroit Tigers look anything better than an 8-18 eight and 18 team, then it's, it's not panic mode time, but it might just be giving up time on the New York Yankees. So, this is a big series. Uh, I think that this has to be a sweep. Um, I'll get into who is pitching uh, this weekend for them in a moment, but just want to look at runners in scoring position real quick. Uh, we left 12 runners on base. Again, now this is better than what we were doing in the past. At least we're getting the runners on base. We're getting the opportunities with runners in scoring position, but it's still the same issues as before, similar to the Mets. We're not able to drive in runs. We're getting guys on base, but we're not able to drive in the runs. The Mets are last in the league in total run scored, top 10 in batting average and on base percentage. Not saying that the Yankees are top 10 in batting average or on base percentage, but they're clearly getting guys on base, especially yesterday, and they're still unable to come up with these clutch hits. Uh, I think this has a little bit to do with clutch hitting. I think that these guys are not clutch. We've seen it in the playoffs before. They only go for home runs. Those are the only clutch hits they get. Uh, you know, for a guy like Gary Sanchez, I don't think it's that he's not clutch. I think that he's just slowed down. I mean, it happens. You know, the bat slows down. But... Overall, you know, you look at a bunch of different guys, uh, you know, Aaron, look at Aaron Judge, Gio Urshela, Aaron Hicks, guys do not come up clutch with runners scoring position in the playoffs. Last night they go 3 of 14. I'll give you the exact average on that in a moment. 3 divided by 14 is 214. So they hit 214 with runners scoring position. I feel like LeMay, who last year hit like, 320 with the runners in scoring position or something like that. So it's a shame to see that. But Sanchez went 0 for 1. Hicks went 0 for 2. Urshela 0 for 2. Frazier 0 for 1. Wade 0 for 1. Ford 0 for 1. And that Wade 0 for 1 was obviously uh, with the runner on second in extra innings, in which someone told him that he should be bunting there with two strikes and strike out. But it's definitely very disappointing times for the Yankees. I mean, I, I don't know. I would love to hear your opinions on it of if you think the Yankees need change. I don't know what it is, I, whether it be Boone or Marcus Tams, but I think that there needs to be change with this team. 
please feel free to comment or get in touch with me anyway. Uh, I love to express my feelings about the Yankees. Maybe I'll hop on live later during the game and uh, share my feelings with you about how they're playing. And uh, hopefully I'll get some, maybe someone on like uh, my friend Aaron from yesterday came on. And uh, we had a nice like 10-minute discussion about uh, the Yankee struggles. But unfortunate loss for the Yankees last night. Wound up splitting the series with the Orioles. They still uh, go above 500 on the road trip at least. They go five, They wound up 5-3 and three on the road trip uh, traveling to Cleveland and Baltimore. Uh, heading back home now for a series against the Detroit Tigers. So going to have to take advantage of, of these bad teams. You know, usually the good teams beat up on the bad teams all the time, win every series, and then, um, you know, struggle, not struggle, but battle it out against the good teams that are on their level. Right now, the Yankees are not a good team. They're barely beating the bad teams, and they're def most definitely not beating the good teams when we're looking at how they've already played against the Blue Jays and the Rays so far, which is the only real way to weigh this uh, at this point of the season, Yankees really have only been playing against the division to start. So got to take advantage of this series against Detroit. Uh, very excited for it. Hopefully good, only good things to come. Need to see guys like Judge, LeMahieu, Stanton. Uh, they're, they're, you know, Stanton may be playing a little bit better. Uh, let's see. How, uh, actually, yeah, he is playing better. 230 now. Uh, he's actually got his average up to 250 now after a good game yesterday. 3 of 5. But... Uh, still more improvement to come, but I'm I'm liking how Stan's starting to come on a little bit. I think that we're starting to you know move away from not even getting guys on base, not hitting at all, They're hitting more. Now the next thing is just hitting in clutch situations with runners on base. Uh, that's definitely been an issue for the Yankees to start the year, and you know you could just see that based on how many times we lost in extra innings. Runner on second in scoring position, easy money. All you need is a single to drive him in. Can't even do that. Literally one in three in extra innings with a runner starting on second base. That just doesn't sound like New York Yankees baseball to you. That doesn't sound like a Yankees organization to you. Uh, not able to drive in a runner from second uh, regularly, which clearly they're not based on their one in three record in extra innings. That's uh, enough about my rant or maybe it's more of a vent about the Yankees. But I'm going to move on to the biggest news from yesterday, which was the NFL draft. Um, big night for the Jets and the Giants. I'd say bigger night for the Jets, honestly. Uh, you know, they get their quarterback of the future. Anytime that you're drafting a quarterback, uh, that's a huge, huge night. Uh, obviously, the Giants moved back and got an additional first-round pick for next year. I'll get to that in a moment. But first, going to talk about the Jets. Uh, you know, Zach Wilson, I, I've been complaining about the fact that they decided to go for him without getting him the necessary weapons or just offensive line help to allow him to succeed. But guess what the Jets did? The exact perfect move that I wanted them to make. Uh, and, you know, in order for me to fully buy in on Zach Wilson, which was drafting an offensive lineman, the best interior offensive lineman out there, Elijah Vera Tucker at a USC. He's going to be playing left guard right next to Mekhi Becton. We're going to have a beast left side. And I, I don't mind George Fant on the right side. Hopefully we can get a guy like uh, Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State. Uh, with our second round pick, you know, we, the Jaguars have the first pick of the second round at 33. We have the second pick of the second round at 34. So, he, you know, as long as the Jaguars don't take him, he'll be there. And then guess what? We'll have drafted three first round caliber offensive linemen in the past two years. And 
the offensive line should be set for the future. The one thing that I said that I that I wanted the Jets to fix for uh, Zach Wilson, you know, I do like the weapons. I think that we've given him uh, weapons to succeed with. He just needs the protection, and we're getting him that protection, and hopefully we will only continue to get that protection. But uh, additionally, I actually did call that Jets move up with the Vikings literally in my mock draft pool with my friends. I had the Jets moving from 23 up to 14 with the Vikings. The Vikings moving back down to 23. And with that 14th pick in my pool, I had the Jets drafting Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC. So uh, I'm I'm very happy that that panned out. Uh, obviously crazy that it actually happened. Uh, would have been I saw a lot of mocks where uh, the Jets were gonna snag him at 23. So the fact that they moved up goes to show how highly they thought of him. They thought of him as a top 10 player, literally a top 10 talent on the Jets board. So they really liked him a lot. Uh, and I think they knew the value of being able to team him right next to Mekhi Becton, getting that strong left side and getting that protection for Zach Wilson because they know the importance of the offensive line and that a quarterback isn't going to succeed without the offensive line. You can look back at the history of the Jets, Sam Darnold, Geno Smith, Mark Sanchez, Mark Sanchez specifically after he lost uh, that number one running game and that top offensive line that they had after his first two years. Uh, so, the Jets knew that it was an important, it was a very important uh, area and team need that they didn't address in free agency necessarily. They addressed backups with guys like Dan Feeney, uh, but they knew that it was something that they were going to have to address, and they addressed it. Uh, if they could get Tevin Jenkins in the second round, he'll he would play right guard this first year because Font is better than uh, Van Noy when we're talking. Van, Fant is better at right tackle than Van Noy is better at right guard, so we put. Tevin Jenkins at right guard. We'd have Bant right tackle, uh, Jenkins right guard, McGovern center, Barrett Tucker left guard, and uh, Becton left tackle. I'm not saying that you know we're going to be a, a good a top tier offense next year, but uh, you know the Dolphins go out and draft a guy like Jalen Phillips, and obviously the Bengals last year Ed Oliver, and then uh, again this year I'm blanking on who they actually selected I'll tell you in a moment uh Gregory Rousseau the defensive end out of uh out of Miami uh so you know those two Miami guys might wind up uh screwing us in the long run and being good pass rushers but you know when we're looking at the Patriots the Bills and the Dolphins three teams with good defense three teams that get after the 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 quarterback so it was a good move by the Jets addressing the offensive line hopefully they only do that uh again today I really do hope uh, you know, especially with the guy, guys like Richard Sherman, cornerback, maybe the biggest need for the Jets right now, cornerback or linebacker, I'd say, maybe also an edge. But, uh, you know, with guys like Richard Sherman avail still available in free agency, uh, I would love that, that pickup if we go another offensive lineman. My favorite pick for the Jets is another offensive lineman there, although I wouldn't be shocked if they, uh, you know, went for an edge rusher to go opposite Carl Lawson in uh, JOK, uh, or, you know, maybe uh, the likes of, uh, I'm blanking off the top of my head, but there, there are definitely other names out there in terms of edge rushers. Uh, you know, if they take Asante Samuel Jr., the corner, I, I can't be too upset with that pick, but my pick is shore up that offensive line. I think that the offensive and defensive lines are the most important part of your football team. Uh, you saw with the with the 
Buccaneers last year. I mean, their defensive line was beast mode, and their offensive line, definitely one of the best in the league. And they went offensive line in the first round last year uh, to help protect Tom Brady. So uh, I, I see the importance of, of those uh, of the offensive line. And I would love to be able to continue to shore up that offensive line for the foreseeable foreseeable future and really give Zach Wilson the opportunity to sit back there, uh, not have to scramble around like Sam Darnold had to do in his whole career and uh, be able to see guys wide open. Apparently that's a Shanahan offense. You just need a, which is what we're implementing to the Jets with Mike LaFleur. Apparently, you just need to be able to get that ball out real quick. Someone's going to be open, but obviously, you still need to get protection. So I, I lo- really love the pick of Vera Tucker that I called, and hopefully, we continue that with another offensive lineman today. But moving on to the Giants uh, pick, they moved down to 20 with the Chicago Bears, uh, who moved up to select Justin Fields. That was crazy. That might have been the uh, wildest moment of the draft, I think. Uh, you know, other there were other great moments for sure. I mean, the Eagles just moving up there in the first place to, to draft that. I was going. I mean, Trey Lance obviously also. That was a surprise and a half. I really thought it was going to be Mac Jones. Obviously, I, I think that Trey Lance's ceiling could be higher just because uh, he has that natural athletic ability. Uh, but he is the quarterback that's thrown the least number of passes uh, in getting drafted into the NFL, I believe. Mark Sanchez is like third on that list, I believe. But Trey Lance throwing the least amount of passes in college going into the NFL. Uh, It was also crazy for the Eagles and the Cowboys to kind of collude there and jumping ahead of the Giants, who they both knew one of Devontae Smith. Eagles jump ahead of them, get their guy at 10. Uh, I guess they moved down to 12 with with the Dolphins, knowing that the Dolphins were interested in Waddle and the Eagles themselves were interested in Devontae Smith. So they thought they'd be able to get him at 12, but then they realized, oh, shoot, the Giants are one pick ahead of us. Uh, they're very interested as they as the rumors were uh, swirling around the past couple weeks. And uh, they wound up working out a deal with the Cowboys. The Cowboys got a, got a good deal there also. They only moved down two picks overall. Uh, still got their guy in Micah Parsons. And, you know, the Eagles got their guy in Devontae Smith. Cowboys also got an additional third-round pick, so definitely a move to only move down Two slots, get your guy, and get an additional third-round pick. Uh, you know, if Devontae Smith is going to be the player that everyone says that he that he's going to be, then worthwhile for the Eagles as well, especially after having missed out on guys like DK Metcalf and Justin Jefferson in the past couple of years. But when talking about the Giants deal, I mean, you know, I made fun of uh, Dave Gettleman, Giants general manager, for his whole, oh, I'm not going to get fleeced and moving down thing. But uh it actually wound up working out those comments. He didn't get fleeced. He won that deal 100%. I mean, the Jets moved up uh, set. The Jets moved up nine picks, I believe, and gave up two third-round picks. I mean, obviously gave them the first swapped first-rounders to move up nine. Uh, traded two third-rounders and got back a fourth-rounder. The the Bears to move up. Uh, I think it was nine picks. Also. Um, Gave up a first round, uh, swapped picks, gave up a first rounder next year, and even more so than that. Uh, the Bears seem to have gotten fleeced. I mean, Gettleman said he wasn't going to get fleeced. It seems like the, the the Bears got fleeced. I mean, even if Justin Fields is good, you're not giving him a, another potential you know, weapon or offensive line help for, for next year in the draft, which uh, could wind up hurting them. Uh, you know, I like Justin Fields a lot. I like that situation for him, but I hope it winds up working out because it, I don't know why they had to trade away that 
that second number one, that second first round pick. But they did it to move up nine picks. The Jets also moved up nine picks. Uh, didn't have to do anything like that. So very happy with the Jets deal. The Giants fans should be very happy with their with that deal. Also, unfortunately, what the Giants fans shouldn't be as happy about is their selection. I happen to like Kadarius Tony a lot. I don't think that he dropped one single pass last year. I saw a video today where he's being interviewed. They asked him, did you drop a pass this year? Uh, he said, no, I don't think I did. He didn't drop one single pass this past season. Uh, he's a very talented, like very, very talented, very fast receiver. Uh, I don't know how he was so low-key this year. I mean, I, I was hearing more about him during the season than I was about Kyle Pitts, I think. Uh, I actually had him dropping down a little bit lower to the Jaguars. Uh, the Jaguars selecting Travis Etienne. That was also a crazy one. I'll get to that in a second. But, uh, you know, Giants fans, uh, I can't wait to see how this pick turns out. Obviously, could have gone offensive lineman here. Christian Darasaw sitting right there for you. Uh, so obviously, you guys signed a corner in, in the offseason, but you also signed a wide receiver in the offseason and drafted a wide receiver now. So, Clearly, Dave Gettleman wants to do whatever it takes to make Daniel Jones look good. That's his pick. That's his guy as in uh, Daniel Jones at quarterback. Uh, you know, Joe Douglas wanted to get rid of Sam Darnold to be able to get his own guy at quarterback, which is Zach Wilson. But in Dave Gettleman's instance, his guy is uh, Daniel Jones, and he's not going to give up on him until uh, New York literally spits him out, of you know, chews him up and spits him out. Uh, but Kadarius Tony, I like him. Uh, I think that that's a good weapon to put alongside Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, and Evan Engram, and Saquon Barkley. The Giants do have good offensive talent. Uh, it's going to be all about how they perform on defense this year. Um, it's been a concern for them for, for years going now. Uh, you know, a couple years ago, I think when they had Landon Collins, they actually had a good defense. Uh, you know, maybe they even statistically had a good defense last year, but uh, it's really nothing very special at, at, really at the end of the day. Uh, if it was special, they would be winning more games. Um, but this is a piece to help Daniel Jones out. So, you know, the Jets are giving Zach Wilson, gave Zach Wilson receiver help uh, in through free agency. So did the Giants and Kenny Galladay. But I like the Jets pick more here, with, with, as in both picks more. Uh, you know, I think that the Vera Tucker pick makes the Zach Wilson pick that much better. Uh, and maybe, you know, this kid Aries Tony pick is being made better with the fact that they get another first-round pick next year. Now the Giants have two first-round picks next year. If the Bears completely implode this season, uh, guess what? The Giants are going to have a top-ten pick next year and maybe two top-ten picks if uh, they don't wind up being good for this season. But uh, that's enough for the Giants. Interesting pick. Can't wait to see how that turns out. Uh I think he's going to be a good player, but I totally understand why Giants fans would be upset with that pick. But look forward to that second first-round pick next year. I can tell you being a Jets fan who had two first-round picks next year, have two first-round picks next year. Same with the Knicks, have two first-round picks this year. It's exciting stuff to be able to, you know, sure up your team uh, after signing a bunch of guys in free agency with multiple first-round picks, getting multiple of the best players uh, coming into the NFL out of college. So, uh, great trade by the Giants. Great trade by the Jets as well, I believe. Great day for New York football last night. It kind of seems like New York football might be coming back a little bit, which is surprising. But I'll tell you this. I definitely have more faith in the Jets than the Giants. Uh, although, I don't really have that much faith in the Jets uh, <laughs> to win a Super uh, At least to make to make a Super Bowl to be real contenders going up against the, the likes of Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. I don't know about that. But... 
we will see what happens. Zach Wilson uh, coming in. I think that I'm going to send it on season tics, tickets this year. I think it's only seven fifty, seven hundred fifty dollars for two people for two seats uh, for eight games. So that's a deal and a half. Hopefully, I just encourage a couple of you to uh, buy season tickets for the Jets. And uh, you know, I can't wait for the season to start. And if you anyone wants to tailgate with me during the season, feel free hit me up. We'll be in touch and we'll get a tailgate going. Obviously, wearing my gangrene again today for the Jets. Um, but just a couple more comments before I end. Uh, Najee Harris to the Steelers, love that selection. Um, you know, they everyone was complaining about the running game last year, how they didn't have a running game. Now they get Najee Harris. I think it's Derrick Henry, uh, you know, I guess 0.5, you know, usually go oh, 2.0, like the better version, maybe 0.5. He's uh, an inch shorter, and uh, he weighs like around almost 10 pounds less, but you know, it's the same type of build, huge running back, very strong, fast. Uh, you know, he's going to hurdle you. He can hurdle you. He can stiff arm you to the ground. Uh, he's going to he's gonna pound you down. He's going to break a tackle. Uh, I love Najee Harris. And then even crazier, back-to-back running backs went Travis Etienne to the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, teaming him up with Trevor Lawrence, his quarterback in college. I don't know how often it's happened that a team drafts a quarterback from one college and then drafts his teammate running back or receiver uh, obviously happened this year with LSU with with the Bengals also uh, in Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase although a little different because J- Joe Burrow was drafted last year and Jamar Chase drafted this year it's, it rarely happens that you draft two guys from the same team from the same offense uh, in the same draft and the Jaguars did just that uh, maybe that gives them a head start in terms of two guys that have chemistry together uh, you know they don't need to really work on that coming into the NFL but That's a great story. I can't wait to see them play together. I can't wait to see Trevor play in the first place after all all this waiting that that we've gone through just to see him get drafted. Now next step is seeing him actually play in the NFL. Uh, And I think that Travis Etienne will definitely help him out. Uh, Should be a great pass catcher out of the backfield. Will be a security blanket for Trevor Lawrence just like he was in college. So great picks over there, I think, for the Steelers and Jaguars. Uh, You know, maybe not. The best value picks, but probably but might be uh, the best team needed picks at that point for those two. Uh, and then moving on, last thing I'll mention: uh, uh, Browns select Greg Newsom, the second cornerback. I had them taking Asante Samuel, but I thought that was a major team need for them. Corner getting a guy across Denzel Ward. They have the names on offense when you're thinking Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, uh, and Joku, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry and the even more names, and they have a good offensive line. Baker Mayfield, hopefully, uh, going to continue progressing. But uh, obviously they have Miles Garrett and uh, Jadavion Clowney now on that defensive line. I incorrectly stated that Sheldon Richardson was on the team. He's a currently a free agent. I don't know if he's returning yet. But point is, shore up that secondary, make it eat, make, give uh, Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney even more time uh, to be able to get after the passer by locking down receivers. I really like this pick, uh, you know, in going after a corner. I, don't, I can't guarantee you that he's going to be a, uh, you know, an above-average NFL corner, but who cares? Addressing team needs is always important. Hopefully it works out for the Browns. I'm rooting for the Browns. I love the lovable losers because I'm a Jets fan. But uh, that's it for my rant today. Loved uh, what happened with Jets and Giants last night. Hopefully it continues to today and the Jets draft Tevin Jenkins. Uh, unfortunate loss for the Yankees. Can't wait for the Knicks on Sunday. 
Nets playing the uh, who are they playing in tonight? Someone that, that they just played. Uh, but whatever, Nets playing tonight. Uh, I'll be back on Monday commenting everything from the weekend, the draft, Knicks, Nets, Yankees, Mets, everything, the whole deal. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you enjoy the weekend. You can catch this podcast along with all others on my on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You could stream those or access them via the link tree in my Instagram bio at the Strive Sports. You could also scroll down all the way in my link tree to to access my TikTok, which I where I post my daily lay of the day. But hope you enjoyed my rant this Friday, April 30th. Hope you enjoy the weekend. Good vibes only. Strive sports, strive for greatness. Ben Klein, peace out. Enjoy.